Well, good morning, Chatham Community Church. Uh, I just want to thank you for joining us this morning and joining us in song and sing, singing and worshiping our good and heavenly Father. Uh, if this is your first time or first time in a long time, uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. We've been praying that you would come. And if this is your first time, I want to invite you to come see me in the back as you leave today. I have a gift for you. Uh, I'd love to meet you. Uh, and just say, hey. Well, my name is Ernie Lane, and uh, along with my wife, Katie, we've been attending and being a part of Chatham Community Church for 12 years now. And I'm thankful for this church and the people that are in it and the people that serve here and how they go out in the community and serve. And I wouldn't be where I am today without this church, without men and women in this church who have influenced me, encouraged me, prayed over me, and come alongside me. One of those men is, is your pastor, Pastor Jaime. Uh, he asked that I would come and share a message with you today, and every time that he asks, I've been able to say yes, and I'm thankful for that. And I celebrate it, and I celebrate my time that I get to share with you here. And I've met some of you, and some of y'all have met me, and I know a little bit about you, and you know a little bit about me. And some of what we know about each other comes in facts, much like I just shared that Katie and I have been a part of this church for 12 years. Much more of it comes from the stories that we tell. And there's different stories that we tell in our lives, and there's birth stories, and there's first love stories, and there's heartbreak stories. There's wedding stories, there's joyful stories, and there's even stories of challenges and tough times. And I'm certain that no matter your age, at least one of those you've probably experienced or been a part of. Well, arguably one of the most well-known villains in cinema of all time is Darth Vader. Now, whether you have seen a single minute of Star Wars, you probably have heard of that name and you know who he is. And, and we find out fairly early in the movies, that he was once a good guy known as a Jedi, but the way we're introduced to him is this villain, this terrible person who terrorizes the galaxy, conquering and even killing anyone who would oppose him, even somebody who, was a, or who is a Jedi who was like a brother to him. Well, 16 years after the original Star Wars movies, we get an origin story of Darth Vader. We find out how this little boy became this menacing person. And the origin story gives us key moments that shape the character and how they become who they become. Now, most of the times what we find in, in movies is that the origin stories are in the sci-fi or the, science or the uh, fantasy genre, superheroes, but we can all have an origin story. I have one. You may have one. More importantly, Jesus has one. So today we're going to be in the book of Matthew, and we're going to see that origin story. Now, Matthew is one of uh, the four accounts of Jesus's life. It's the first book in the New Testament. And so we're going to see in this story about Jesus's origin. And if you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. The words will be on the screens up here. 
And if you don't own a Bible at all, again, come see me after the service. I'd love to give you one. So we'll go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The importance of this baptism shouldn't be passed over, and I don't think we do as followers of Christ. And we definitely uh, are given the opportunity to see it because it's mentioned three times throughout the Bible. John the Baptist has been at the Jordan River preaching and telling those who come and listen to turn away, to repent, to turn away from the sin that they've done, to turn away from the wrong things that they've done, even the crimes they've committed, even if there's been immoral acts. He tells them to turn away, and they do, and they, they get baptized by John. But John was out in the wilderness, but the word spread, and people came to him because they knew that God was doing something. And then one day, while they're out there at the Jordan, Jesus comes where John has been baptizing. And this is the first story that we have of Jesus as an adult. And so he sees Jesus, and John said he hesitates. And maybe it's because he knows that Jesus doesn't have anything to turn away from. Maybe it's because he knows that he has nothing to repent from. And so maybe that's why we get the words that he says, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Well, I don't know if I would have been able to get any words out if I was in John's position, but I can relate to that possible feeling of not good enough or unworthy, lacking or inadequate. And maybe there have been times in your life, too, where you have felt this way, but I just want to remind you that those words are not from God. Those are the words that, yes, we do feel. We feel them. And they're just as real as when you reach out and touch the person beside you. But again, those are the words that God does not place on you. And I don't know if any of those words were the words that John felt that day. But we do see in Jesus' reply that he replies to him in a way that, that shows grace and the importance of the moment. And Jesus says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And to me, that's like Jesus saying, John, you're going to baptize me because this is what we must do to fulfill this righteousness. This baptism will become a public declaration for salvation of followers to come. This is a gift that is given to us through our faith. I feel like Jesus is uh, inviting John to partner with him. 
feel like Jesus invites us to partner with him. And John, in the steps that follow, John consents. He agrees. He steps into his familiar role of baptizer, even though the man that he is about to baptize is not like any man he has ever baptized before. And we see Jesus stepping into his role. And he steps into the the will of the Father. I want you to picture this scene for me. And if you need to, you can close your eyes, and that's fine, and I'm not going to throw anything at you. But close your eyes and think of this scene of your baptism. Or maybe it's a baptism that you've recently seen. And you're there. You're watching somebody get baptized, and the preacher's there. What else? There's the waters, yes. There may be friends. There may be family, people from church. And when you came up out of the waters, you likely heard prayer. You heard cheers from those around you and applause and celebration and welcome you into the family of other believers, into the family of God. There may have been a charge to the witnesses to walk in community with you, to support you as you turn from your past life to begin this new life in Jesus. And the point that I want you to see is as you're imagining your scene is it more than likely was not a private event. Now, let's go back to the Jordan. And who was there? There were likely people getting baptized, yes. People who had been baptized, who were sitting there witnessing. There may have even been some religious leaders witnessing and watching everything that's happening and taking place. And then comes Jesus walking down the banks of the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist, just like everyone else. Jesus is getting baptized by a man just like everybody else did. He gets in the waters with us. He gets in the waters with us because in his humanity, he is us. And I know that probably the grammar doesn't work there, but it's a fact. I can't think of a moment that I've ever heard or read about or been told about Jesus' life where he asked his followers, his disciples, to do anything that he hasn't done himself. When we participate in the will of God, we are doing what is pleasing to God. Rest assured, you are taking the right steps. You are actively participating in the story that he has written. Sometimes when you're walking in the will of the Father, it's just as easy as putting one step in front of the other. Sometimes you step out in faith and take a large step, even a leap. And it's those moments that, again, it's always the right step to take when we're doing the will of the Father, regardless if the steps are small or large. Jesus shows us in this moment that participation is vital, and it's always good to participate in what God is doing 
what God is doing in the community, what God is doing in his church, what God is doing in your lives. So is there an area where you're seeing God at work, but you're staying to the side? Maybe it's time to take that step to get in the game, to step inside the lines to participate in this story. Well, when John and Jesus took the time to step into the will of the Father, amazing things happened. The first thing that happened is the heavens were opened. And this isn't a common occurrence, and this isn't just a vision that Jesus saw. This is, as I talk about in literature class, an aha moment. So y'all better pay attention. And they did. And in Mark's account, it says the heavens were torn open. Imagine that. And whether the heavens were just open or torn open, what followed next had to have been just as amazing. The Spirit of God descended like a dove and came to rest on Jesus. And I want to stress the word like here because throughout my life, I have always thought of the Holy Spirit actually being a physical dove and coming and sitting on Jesus' shoulder. But that's not what Matthew is telling us here. You have all these witnesses, and they're looking up to the heavens, and they see the Holy Spirit descending full of grace and ease and majesty, and he comes to rest on Jesus, fully rest on Jesus, all of the Holy Spirit, not just a portion of him. And we are told in our baptisms that the Holy Spirit seals us, that he has come to rest on us as well. And once the Spirit is with us, he never leaves us. He never left Jesus. The Holy Spirit descends on us and seals us in our new belief in our life that we dedicate to Jesus through our belief in Jesus. The last thing is God spoke. And I just want to say that again because God spoke. Can I say, how many times have you ever thought in your life, God, if I could just hear you, can you just give me a yes or a no? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like a clear uh-huh, right? Should I take this job? Should I go to this school? Should I date this person? Should I break up with this person? Should I stay or should I go? We have constantly throughout our lives wanted to hear God's voice. And here, he does that. He speaks. And this wasn't a moment that it was private. This was everybody out there that day heard it. And this moment that God spoke, he says, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. God made it no no mistake. He made it known. He said that Jesus is his son. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is divine. He is fully God. He is fully human. And up until this moment, there has been no communication from God publicly. 400 years of silence from God. No communication. 
no prophets. God does send an angel to speak to John the Baptist's father earlier in this chapter, and God does send an angel to talk to Mary and to speak to Joseph. But those were private, one-on-one moments. What better reason for breaking the silence than to announce for all to hear that Jesus Christ is his son? Now take a minute and rewrite that sentence for you. Once you step into the will of God, can you hear this? This is Ernie, my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is Chris, Thomas, Nick, Will, Izzy, Kate. This is Crystal, and this is Amy, and this is Kaylee, and this is Hannah, my sons and daughters, whom I love, and with them I am well pleased. How does it feel to hear your name in God's declaration? So we have this aha moment, and we pay attention. We see the heavens, we hear, we see that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all together in the presence of of witnesses, what we call the Trinity. And it's an amazing moment. And this is a part of the origin story for Jesus. It was a step that he took, and he's going to take another step to begin his ministry. And this moment sets Jesus up for the season that's coming and where he's going. We'll see that this is just the beginning. God knows that his son, God knows what his son will need. He knows that his son will need, and he provides that for them. He prepares him for the next step. He prepares us for our next steps. Well, Matthew shares what's coming for Jesus in the next verse, and he says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In the Bible, the wilderness is often mentioned. We, we see it in the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, and it's God met Moses in the wilderness. Moses pleased with Pharaoh to go to the wilderness to worship God. Uh, the wilderness, people uh, die in the wilderness. People go alone to be alone in the wilderness. And I believe that here the Spirit is leading Jesus into the wilderness to be alone, to be isolated from humanity. Now, some translations will say tested instead of tempted, but what we do know is that Jesus is getting ready to go through a trial. And here the good news is that Jesus, again, has been prepared for this moment. He has been given a gift and yes, that spirit did leave him, lead him into the wilderness. But this wasn't like a car rider line where Jesus, you know, the spirit drives up and tells Jesus, have a good day, I'll pick you up after school. He stays with him. He doesn't leave him. He doesn't send him to be tempted alone. I have no doubt in my life, or I have no doubt that in my life, when I am challenged, 
or have a tough season, that God is with me, that the Spirit is with me. I'm thankful for that because I know that I couldn't have made it alone. Well, we just finished a series here um, uh, at the church uh, at both campuses where we talked about living supernaturally and how we need the Holy Spirit, how we can partner with the Holy Spirit, how we can use the gifts of the Spirit. And if you didn't get a chance to hear all the messages, I want to encourage you to go back online and listen to them. But just as, G- as the Spirit was with Jesus in the wilderness, the Spirit will be with us in our lives too, in our work, in our homes, in our relationships, even in our own wilderness. There are times that we're going to be in the midst of a season and we're more aware of how much we're going to need the Spirit. Maybe you're, you have a tough decision to make and, and you're praying for the Spirit of wisdom. Maybe you or somebody you know is going through a health issue um, and you're just praying for the Spirit of healing to come. Maybe you are that person. And maybe you know that God can heal every, everything but maybe you're praying for faith, not to lose it during this time. Maybe that you are preparing to be in a season of being an empty nester. And you need somebody that has the spirit of encouragement to come alongside you and be with you during that time. Maybe you're wrestling with addiction or anxiety or depression Or maybe you're in a difficult relationship. The point is that God doesn't want any of us to go through any of those things by ourselves. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. He invites us to be in community with each other. He'll put people in our lives, people that can pray with you, for you, over you, that can serve you, Last week, both campuses had this uh, beautiful moment uh, that we could go up and seek prayer from people of our prayer team, our pastors, our elders. And in this season that I am, I know that I need help, and I've been praying for the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge. And I've just been praying for this, and I just I don't feel it, because when I think, I hear the words of not good enough, or lacking, or inadequate. All the words that I put on John. And it's words that have never been spoken to me to my face. And I know they're not words from God. But the fact is, I still feel them. And I can't discredit that. We have... um, And so... I went up, and I sought prayer, and I was able to feel something at that moment. And it wasn't the spirit of wisdom or knowledge that I've been praying for, but it was comfort. It was reassurance that God is with me, that the Holy Spirit is with me. And I'm thankful for that moment, and I'm thankful for Katie, and I'm thankful for Pastor Jaime and Pastor Alex, and I'm thankful for this church 
that I hope that others felt that as well, no matter what they've been praying for. I'm still praying, and I know he's there. I know that I am a child of God. I know that he loves me. I know that he is pleased with me. And I know that he will always love me. You too are loved by God and you are loved by him whether you believe in him or not because you are made in his image. And for those who haven't taken a step to talk to someone about what it means to follow Jesus, maybe you're in a life where you're foundation is not firm. Maybe you are walking in sinking sands. Take a step this week. Find somebody. Seek somebody out to talk to them about following Jesus because God wants to give you good gifts. And maybe you do believe in Jesus and you believe in his life, his resurrection, and you've believed this for weeks or months or years and you just have it taken that next step of publicly declaring it. You've postponed, you've put off. Maybe you should take, take the time to consider and to commit to this baptism, to take that next step, to step into the will of God. He always and has always loved you. And he wants to share that love in the community that you can be in. Because it's hard to love alone. It's very hard to love alone. But if you do this public step, this public declaration, then it allows me, your friends, your family, your church, to celebrate and love you the way God loves you. So what steps will you take this week? Will they be small ones? Or large ones? Will they be steps in faith? And if you are stepping into God's will, they just remember they're guaranteed to be the right steps. So step into his story, his will this week. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you are good, you are good, you are good. May every step we take be pleasing to you. I do not know the seasons that we are in, all in right now. And I don't know the challenges that we are facing today or that we may face in the times to come that are just on the horizon. I do know that you are with us. You love us. You delight in us. My prayer for everyone that hears is that they know this love of yours. I pray that they know that you prepare us all, that you prepare us with gifts, good gifts from the Holy Spirit. You have given us gifts that we may not even understand why we have them. You prepare us by surrounding us in a community of believers. You never want us to do life alone, and I thank you for that. As we worship you in song once more, I pray that our voices carry to the heavens and the Holy Spirit. Fills this room. Amen.